Hey there, you're listening to What the Riff? Join us as we remember the great rock and roll hits from a month between 1965 and 1995. We're going to riff on all things about the bands, the members, and the goings-on during that time. We hope to inspire you to find and download the songs you hear today, whether you're fans who forgot about some of these tracks or maybe never even heard them before. Check out our blog at whattheriff.com or follow us on Facebook at What the Riff. Here's a shout-out to our sponsors, Right Column Financial, offering CFO and bookkeeping services for small business, Stanton Electric, a commercial electrical specialist, and Marbury Creative Group, a brand development agency that helps companies tell it better. So let's turn up the volume and enjoy this episode of What the Riff? April 7th, 1969, saw the publication of the first request for comments, marking the Internet's symbolic birth date. Tornado strikes Dhaka, East Pakistan, killing 540, and the first human eye transplant was performed. This is April of 1969. We're What the Riff. I'm Bruce. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. And I'm Brian. And I think I know what we've got, and I think I know who's doing it. Wayne, what do you have? Guys, this is my second favorite album from The Who. Behind Quadrophenia was the one we did earlier with Tim Andrews from uh, WSC Radio, came in and co-hosted with us. Yep. This is Tommy. Love it. First rock opera in the history of music. Before, everything was just like everything, single, single, singles. This album just showed the utter genius of Pete Townsend. He wrote and, and, and all the music, all the songs. Uh, obviously, you're hearing Roger Daltrey here yeah. doing this. Roger actually kind of evolved into this role. He became from the mod you know mod yeah. top thing he became the long haired guy with the fringe and everything else he became this new guy yeah. and everything and this is Pinball Wizard the album well, let me ask a question though obviously you said this is the first rock opera Yeah. how would you classify other than a concept album wouldn't some people maybe classify Sgt. Pepper's as kind of a rock opera not a rock opera because this is themed like an opera. This is actually okay. made to be like the classic opera. So okay. it's it was not a, a musical. It, yeah, it, it was made to be to done. tell a story. Uh, yeah, exactly. They've actually story. done this on stage. I've actually seen this. Wait, cool. it, was a while, it was on uh, Broadway for a while. Exactly. I saw the Broadway yeah. play when it came through in the uh, sometime. I think in the late nineties or early two thousands. Uh, if you hadn't, it also was a, a movie. Right. It was called Tommy. Uh, it came out in the in the mid seventies. This yep. obviously we're we're in April of sixty nine. This is when they actually pre- first performed it. The album came out in May, so this is how they kind of developed this. But you know, at the Pinball Wizard in the movie was Roger Daltrey. He was the deaf dumb blind kid yep. and the person who was like the champion pinball guy. You remember who it was? I do indeed. Who was it? That would be Elton John. Elton yep. John. You remember how you looked? Yeah. But let me ask this. Speaking of Elton John, who did a cover of this. Yes. Which one did you guys like better? Uh, you know, it's sort of even. Even though I'm a Who fan, I like both of them. So I, I'm going to go with Elton. I'm going with Elton because everything Elton did in that day when I heard that he did the, the cover for it was in the 70s. I mm-hmm. thought it was. But he course. had those, Elton had those big yeah. shoes <laughs> yeah. and the long pants and everything yep. and singing it. <laughs> it was a, it was it, probably one of the highlights of the movie. Oh, yeah. The movie is very dated and everything. And we're moving on now to the Acid Queen. 
<laughs> and in the movie, do you guys remember who did this song? You got me. You got you. Oh, come on. I mean, she was Tina Turner. Oh. She was the acid queen. I don't remember this. I, I'm sorry. I, yeah, I've seen the movie. It's been years, but I don't remember Tina. I would have remembered Tina. I mean, there was a lot of great actors oh, that yeah. were in this movie. I mean, of course... The mother of, of Tommy, who was... Ann Margaret. I have one word for Ann Margaret. Yummy. Oh, golly. <laughs> I had a crush on the man. Me Margaret. too. As, as a young, young, young boy, uh, some things inside me kind of <laughs> did things that I didn't know what was going on, but I just knew Ann Margaret was making those things happen. She, she struck the chord, eh, no, Wayne? All right. Yes. That's enough of that, or I'm going to have to put an E on the... Uh, <laughs> The podcast. Podcast. Well, the wild part is if you if if you've seen the movie, uh, there's a portion when she's when she's doing one of her songs. Anne Margaret is yeah. singing. Um, she's in this like room that's just full of bubbles. Yeah. And she throws a, a, a either a champagne or wine bottle into a TV. It busts, and coming through the TV are these baked beans that come through, and she's like withering all throughout it and everything. She ended up cutting her hand from one of the pieces of glass, uh. and she didn't realize it until she started seeing these white stuff of the, of the suds being turned, ye- turned mm. red. Uh. So uh, she had she had to get 23 stitches done on that. Oh, wow. she cut her hand pretty good. But, but it was all done in one take. So after the the baked beans came came the. Uh, the chocolate that was afterwards. It's just really... Yeah, it's pretty it's, weird. It's a very bizarre movie. It's very Monty Pythonish. Monty Pythonish. Pythonish, yes, yes. But it's time-stamped 70s. It's really not that great of a movie, but it, it, it was... <laughs> hey, I, hey, all I need to see is Anne margaret and when she says, Tommy, can you hear me? Touch yeah. me, feel me. Oh, man. Jack Nicholson was in this. Yep. He was a doctor. Yep. I mean, uh, Eric Clampton p- played a... a Cult Maryland man, uh, Monroe leader. Yeah. So it was it was interesting. Well, the whole theme was uh, there's a British Army captain. His name is Captain Walker. Went missing during World War II, and his wife, Mrs. Walker, gave birth to their son Tommy. But before he, he came back, well, Captain Walker came back and saw that his wife had a lover, and he kills the lover. And then they tell the boy, you didn't see it, you didn't hear it, you don't know nothing, nothing at all. And so making him subconsciously go inward. Yeah. And that's what caused it. Now, in the movie, they show the lover killing Captain Walker. So that's how I always thought it was until I saw the play. Oh. Hmm. And so it was really interesting. So they they took him to all different types of places trying to cure yes. him as he started growing up. And if you remember, we did Christmas that was on yes. this album yes. uh, for one of our Christmas. He goes, he, he doesn't know what day it is. Yeah. I mean, right. you know, or who Jesus is. He doesn't know any of that. And, you know, he's he's tortured by his cousin Kevin, you know, in that he's actually, there's a molestation by his uncle Ernie, and it's called Fiddle About. And this right here is I'm Free. Yep. And this is, uh, has a little bit more energy in the movie version than it does on this. I kind of like the movie version. And Roger Daughtry does do this song. But it, 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 it really, he's screaming it instead of just kind of doing this kind of little melodic part. So we'll, we'll, we'll put that on our Facebook page. But uh, I love this part. But he, he goes to the mirror. He finally sees himself. And 
Then he starts his own cult. And all these people start coming to join the cult. And, you know, because people, you know, at that time were were doing, in in the 70s, there was a lot of cults going on. We had the Harry Christmas. Peace and love. Yeah. So... And so this this was one of those ones people were just going, wait a minute. He saw himself inside. Now he's like wanted to give people that more peace and inner feeling. So Yeah, there I think there were a lot of like communes and groups, people living together, living off the land and yeah. you know. Peace, love and uh, music. Yeah. yeah. I, I like this uh, song. I I think I've seen little clips from parts of the movie. The, I think the album is more appealing to me, just the music. Well, it's interesting during that during this time, you know, he's just going around. He's running down the beach. I'm free and showing clips and stuff. It, it was really interesting. But what happens eventually is all these people come together, and he's going, well, how, how do you become, you know, like you are now? Because he's now this sort of savior, and all these people are coming to him. And he goes, well, goes, he starts putting these plugs over people's ears and you know, puts covers over their eyes and this thing over their mouth, and they move them to pinball machines, and they have to play pinball, and that's how they try to do it. That deaf, dumb, and blind kid, he made him that way, huh? <laughs> oh, there comes the, the yeah. theme back, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Yes. Well, along with Roger Daltrey and Pete Townsend, the other two members of the group, John Entwistle is called yep. the Ox. He played the bass guitar in this. Um, I think he shines a little further on different, you know, like Who's Next and yep. some of the other albums. This was really more of uh, Pete Townsend's, who's the lead guitarist. This is more of his theme. But, I mean, John Entwistle, probably one of the greatest bassists ever. And um, then we have Keith Moon, who is uh, crazy. Just uh, uh, we'll talk about Keith Moon at the end of the show because we're gonna we're gonna reprise a, a song, Welcome and I've got a full list of I things about Moon <laughs> the Loon. <laughs> you do. That's funny. <laughs> All right, look forward to that. What's this one? Oh. This one is two songs, and I just I, I'm sort of stealing it. It's on the album. It's called We're Not Gonna Take It. And that's the first half, and the second half we'll get to in a minute. But um, the cork, the cork, <laughs> the cork. It's a cork, but they call it cork. I mean, that's that 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 very uh, rough, yeah, Roger Daltrey talk. But you know, they came from the mod group, so this is really their their intro into doing albums. Yeah. They were influenced, obviously, by the Beatles and, and Pet Sounds from, Pe- from the Beach Boys. They This is really what caused them to start going, okay, we need it. They were single. You know, they had, you know, you know See Me, Feel Me is going to be coming up. But that was the one one of the big songs and number one hit songs. But before that, I mean, we they had, you know, my generation. They were just doing hit songs after hit songs. Mm-hmm. This is the first time it was a, really a concept. It was a double album, too, if I didn't say that earlier. There was this. It was set up for you to listen to as side one and side two, and then when you flipped it, side three would come on, and then side four would come on. Do you think that Twisted Sister was inspired by this? I'm actually there. I think 
Pink Floyd, The Wall, was inspired by this for the whole storytelling. If you think about it, the father leaving, you know, getting killed or, and having, you know, things come about, I think a lot of that was, was influenced on it. I, myself, I, I don't have any proof of that, but I think it was, The Wall was, was very similar to this. But this, this usually ends the Who concerts. Uh, this song with, with We're Not Gonna Take It and See Me Feel Me. So what happens is everybody starts getting pissed off. So they go, wait a minute. We're not gonna take this. We're getting tired of this crap. You know, and, and so they, if in the film they're showing these little crosses with with a pinball on top and they're busting these pinball machines. That, yeah, they're all from the 60s, but they were just busting them up and just destroying pinball machines left and right. But I'd love to have a prop from this. If anybody's got a prop from this movie, I'd love to have one. So, <laughs> But the best story of this was at Woodstock. They were playing this song. And uh, during the set, Abby Hoffman came on, and he was talking about, you know, during between a couple of the songs, he was talking about, you know, how the White Panther leader was in jail and the imprisonment of MC5. And we talked about that when we were doing that. And Pete Townsend was having none of it. He just took his guitar and just hit Abby Hoffman in the head and knocked him off the Oh, stage. my gosh. Well, he so. would swing that guitar around, wouldn't he? <laughs> exactly. So what was interesting, the, the other thing is is at Woodstock, and this is a couple months later, obviously, and, you know, this is this album was, was, was everywhere, is that the start of this song right here, they were scheduled to go on second to the last act, but it was everything kept on getting delayed. Is when they started singing this song, the sun started rising. Oh, so, wow. and it was six o'clock in the morning when it came on. So, uh, I mean, it bleeded over. Jefferson Airplane, Airplane had to play after this. So. Mm. <laughs> but I thought that was kind of cool. But yeah. you know, behind the stage, here comes the sun. Yeah. And mm. then you know you're singing this song, and if you so, see the movie, you'll see it kind of go in that fashion yeah. yeah maybe it was intentional Wayne uh, probably not <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting too because this song is I mean it's called we're not going to take it but it's actually a suite of three songs isn't yes. it yeah well see me feel me was separated out and to be a song and it, it actually went to number 10 okay so it's actually the top oh it made it on the pop charts pop charts at really number 10. yeah now, Pinball Wizard, the reason why we know it is, one, because of the album, but it really didn't do as well as the Elton John version. Hmm. Yeah, this is what they cl- close the concerts with, isn't it? Yeah. It's just oh, it gives me chills. Oh, I got it, too. Yeah. Now, I've seen The Who several times. I, I, they've done this album. I've seen them do Quadrophenia. I've seen them do it like a greatest hits version. Uh Roger Daltrey goes out on his own and just Roger Daltrey sings the hits of the Who. Uh, Roger is really the singer. He he he's the bass of the band, and he he does is the performer part of it. Yeah, you know, I, he's throwing the microphone up and everything else, whipping it around like a big in a big circle. He goes because half these songs I have nothing to do, so I have to, <laughs> I have to go <laughs> have find, to find a, something to do. Find this or a tambourine or something just to kind of have have something to do on stage. Because Pete Townsend has a lot of music parts of this. Yep. But, uh, yeah, this is, like I said, go get the whole album. It is a opera. It has, you know, bad, sad things. We talked about 
molestations. We had child abuse. We have people. I mean, they gave him in the in the movie Acid Queen. They gave him LSD. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was the thing. They had a this weird uh, contraption that had all these needles that uh, they would put Tommy in and they would close it in on him. And it reminded me of like those torture chambers they used to have back in the day. You guys remember what those the were called? Iron Maidens. Yes, <laughs> Iron Maidens. It looked like that, and it was it was bizarre. Like I said, the movie it's tough getting through, but it is it is fun to watch. But it is aided though. Let's not forget it is aided by Anne Margaret's presence. Oh yeah. Oh oh God yes. <laughs> uh, we're not going to go back there again, guys. <laughs> but. To me, guys, go out and get this album. Put it in your playlist. Listen it front to back. Yeah, I don't know how you picked the only four songs. Yeah, yeah well, I, I mean, well, I cheated and picked five, but we'll get to that fifth one in a little bit, and we'll talk about <laughs> we'll talk about Moon the Loon then. <laughs> Good call, Wayne. This this does bring back a lot of memories. Yeah. That's great. That All right, maturity from mods to to the now, I guess psychedelic world. yeah 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 good trip down uh, memory lane there all right now we're going into our entertainment track which is brought to us by right column financial this has a little bit of a different feel to it here it, a little bit old feel isn't it yeah oh. see i can still remember it puts me back to saturday does it yes well this is the smothers brothers theme and uh reason why we play this is because cbs we're getting a little upset at the Smothers Brothers. Uh, if you can think about April of 69, there was a lot of protest against uh, a certain president named Nixon. Yeah. Uh, a certain war called Vietnam. Uh, and a lot of other things. And they were very being very um, uh, obtuse about not changing their ways. And CBS uh, actually with Walter Cronkite and everything else was very kind of I guess upright and really wasn't that I guess laugh-in theme. So yeah. Yeah. they they uh, were uh, weren't they they were supposed to be going through their sensors from CBS and they decided not to start doing that and just put them directly on TV and boom they were pulled off. So the Smothers Brothers were pulled off and you guys know the the TV show that's replaced them replaced them. Hee-haw! Hee-haw. <laughs> yeah, before it went into syndication, it would replace the Smothers Brothers later in, in June. So and these t- guys lived on the edge. They were kind of like Saturday Night Live, yeah. I guess. The Who actually performed, and I'll put that on there. They did My Generation on the Smothers Brothers show. Oh. And actually, um, Keith Moon blew up, <laughs> blew up the, I thought it was the bass drum. No, he blew oh, up the bass, bass drum. drum. You're right. And Townsend got hit by something. His eye, ears actually, yeah. one of his ears actually ruptured. So. Yeah. That's sort of where it goes back to. There are several movies that came out. Sam Whiskey, a, a comedy western with Burt Reynolds. Uh, Angel in My Pocket with Andy Griffith. Hook, Line, and Sinker by Jerry Lewis. And Hard Contract with James Coburn and Lee Remick. But none of those I remember. <laughs> <laughs> that was our entertainment track from April of 69. Now we're going to our staff picks. And this one is being kicked off. Hi, Bruce. Yes. This is The Boxer off Simon and Garfunkel's fifth and final studio album, Bridge Over Troubled Water. Can I just say right here, Bruce, if I may, of all the hits that they have, Mm -hmm. and there's so many, this is by far, for me, my favorite. 
the lyrics are just profound, well, aren't they? They are. It's just a, in, the, in the harmonies just kill me. Yeah. Well, this is the most highly produced of the Simon and Garfunkel songs. It took over a hundred hours to record, and they recorded it in multiple locations. Uh, the lyrics themselves are about a person struggling with life and loneliness in New York City. And then it gets its name from the final verse, which is a third-person view of a boxer um, and, and you know, kind of standing in the ring, and he doesn't want to take it, but he just kind of keeps on going. I thought this song was called Lila Lie. Yeah, that Lila Lie in the chorus, it was not intended to stay there. That was just a placeholder until really? they figured out the lyrics, but it wound up in the song. Asking And then this is kind of interesting. He talks about looking for workman's wages. That's a biblical reference. Ah. And he's looking for a job, but he can't find anything. It's just, it's it's a it's a kind of a, a, a melancholy song. Yeah. I don't know. It's the type of song I'm attracted to for some reason. <laughs> well, it must be me too, because this is my favorite of theirs. You know, there's a different, there's, a, there's an additional verse to this song that it rarely makes it in but every once in a while they'll they'll throw it in there um it was original it was it's it was re- performed in the 1975 saturday night live hmm. reunion and in the 1981 concert in central park and they used the additional lyrics it says now the years are rolling by me they are rocking evenly i am older than i once was and younger than i'll be that's not unusual no it isn't strange after change upon changes, we are more or less the same. After changes, we are more or less the same. Hmm. Just the, the lyrics are just phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Paul Simon says that this song is inspired by his experience with criticism. I guess when they first started, it was kind of like he could do no wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they, they eventually figured out these were two kids from New York and... They, you know, the criticism kind of ramped up, and and it kind of wore on him. Yeah, that's got got some nice uh, picking there on the the guitar. Here it is, this clear. Yeah, there's the boxer. Is that a harmonica? What is that? Make I don't know, a juice harp? It sounds like it's something. A kazoo? Yeah, a kazoo. <laughs> something. Yeah. Something. Interesting uh, instrument back there in the back. That last lyric, too. I am leaving, I am leaving, but the fighter still remains. Ah. Yeah, I kind of apologized to the group when we got over here because this is a big song from Bridge Over Troubled Water. Although that album didn't come out until 1970, the boxer was on the charts in April of 1969. Mm Mm-hmm. But that album is a great album, too. We, we may want to feature it at some point. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this is one of those big songs from it. I thought you were going to apologize about harshing our buzz because we were rock and rolling <laughs> well, with, well, with, there's with, that too. with The Who, and here we are mellowing out. There's not much drumming in this, but the drumming that there is is impressive. Yeah. That, uh, that drum sound comes from a session drummer named Hal Blaine. Yeah, did Simon and Garfunkel have a band or did they just bring in session musicians whenever they were doing stuff that's a good question i don't know they were a big enough deal at this point that they could have pretty much brought in any session musicians and mrs robinson for for the movie i mean obviously bridge over troubled water was like the number one album for like eight weeks i think 
Right. And it's just that just big builds. sound. It just it does, doesn't it? Almost orchestral. Yeah. Well, it is orchestral. <laughs> it's not almost. <laughs> I love the way that it kind of comes back down into that acoustic feel. And it just kind of trails away. Nice. Guitar work by Paul Simon. Absolutely. Nice, nice job, man. That was great. All right. Now we're going to kick it back up, and we're going to rock and roll now with Rob's pick. So I, I saw this and thought, oh, I know... I know this song, but I didn't really know this version of it. This is Gimme Gimme Good Lovin', performed by a crazy elephant. And it uh, reached number 12 on the Billboard Hot 100. It's definitely a one-hit wonder, in case you're wondering. But it's got a good uh, groove to it, don't you think? This was on the Friday, Friday uh, 5 o'clock whistle, wasn't it? I... I want to say part of it was. Well, I think I think there's a couple of songs that sound like it, oh, which okay. is why yeah. I thought "Give Me Some a Lovin'." Oh, okay. Yeah, that that's what I that. was thinking this yeah. was from. So this is different. Uh, so it's from the album "Crazy Elephant" by the song by the group "Crazy Elephant." It's categorized as psychedelic rock or garage rock. The members are uh, Robert Spencer on vocals. He was with a group called Cadillac before this, and then a guy named Kenny Cohen is doing flutes and sax. And he actually ended up playing with the Eagles, Santana, Rod Stewart, and B.B. King. And then Bob Avery on drums, Larry Lawful on keyboard, Hal King vocals, Ronnie Breton on bass. This is just in my my pod. So I, is I, it? I, 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 I'm, so yeah, you know it. Song, you remember yeah, I knew it. this song. I was just fun. Well, I know it. I was just keying back to, to yeah, back there in was, the day. But I was just obviously it must have come up in the rotation. There were these uh, uh, producers... Jerry Kassinitz and Jeff Katz, known as Super K Productions, and they basically put this band together, produced it in studio, and uh, they, it, it went, it did very well. Other versions, uh, this was done by Dusty Springfield. Yep. And uh, it was also done by Leaf Garrett in 1980. And in 1984, a band called Helix released a single version in Canada. There you have it. We're going to move on oh, now. Our staff man. pick going to Brian. Yeah, we're going to mellow out if we haven't before. A very familiar tune I'm sure you all have heard, if not on the radio back in the day. Certainly you've heard it being either remade or in movies. Traces by the Classics 4. They've got a bit of an Atlanta connection, don't they? I think so, too. And so this song was released as a single in January of 69. But it actually peaked in April of 69 at number two on the uh, the uh, top 100, or the hot 100, and then the easy listening top 100. Easy listening shouldn't make it to what the riff, Brian. <laughs> How did you do that? <laughs> because this was, uh, this was a hot 100, though, gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> now, this song, of course, is very simple. It's about... Lost love mm -hmm. and dealing with it as the years pass. He's talking about all these things, the the memories, and 
Traces of Love. I remember hearing this in the in the open mall over in uh, Austell. They had a mall, and it was just open. And walking through there with my mom doing shopping and being bored out of my mind. <laughs> <laughs> On the song or shopping? Both. No, well, the song. I mean, it is a, it is a sweet song. It set the tone. It set the tone. Yeah. yeah. But these guys, of course, they had big hits besides this one, of course. If you uh-huh. remember Stormy, I think we mm-hmm. featured. Oh, yes. okay. It was back was, in 68. Wasn't that, if they did that or it was a spooky? They did spooky, spooky as well. Also, yeah, that was um, ARS. And, of course, this being in 69, they had another release in 69 that was Every Day With You, Girl. And you've probably heard it. it. Of course, it's probably very difficult to hear it now that we've got a saxophone, which we can never go wrong <laughs> with a sax. <laughs> with a sax. That's right. And so, I mean, this song is just really beautiful. It's just definitely a yacht rock Type of song, a summertime song. Yeah, to sing yacht out rock by the pool. before yacht rock was cool. <laughs> That's right. And the the best honor these guys received is from BMI. You want to know who the BMI records are in, in Europe? Yeah, they have listed this song in the top 100 of the century. Hmm. And it, it came in at number 32. So that's quite an honor. That is to be given that honor uh, to number 32 of the top 100 songs of the 20th century. Now we're just going to kind of fade away as the sun sets. There it goes. <laughs> okay, right. are we going to pick it back up with Wayne? He's oh, usually kinda. he usually grabs us and picks us back up. <laughs> there we go. Oh. <laughs> Got a little uh, wind section going there, man. That's yeah. right. The Friends of Distinction. Raising in the grass. And it's a gas. Now, we did the actual original song by this, by Hugh Muscala. We did an instrumental called Grazing in the Grass. It was, came out in 1968. We, we featured that earlier. And what happened was uh, Harry Elston is, is the lead singer and one of the guys in this. And he was traveling gig to gig, and he was watching the cows grazing out on outside the tour bus, you know, as they're driving by. And I just thinking, he's goes, man, we drive these pastures and cotton fields and cornfields, and I was always see these cows just grazing, so peaceful. And I think to myself, you know, they've got it made. They just graze and crowd. <laughs> <laughs> so, and they do have gas. <laughs> so his observation, he just, you know, and he's hearing this song by uh, by Human Skeletons, and he's just going, oh, man, this is, you know, we'll just do our own little thing. So they just came up with this whole thing on it. And, I mean, to me, rarely does a – this was a number one instrumental. Does someone actually improve on it? Hmm. And to me, can you dig it, buddy? Because this is kicking butt. Oh, yeah. This is definitely where take the top down on the car and just cruise the highway. I mean, the speed of the words, the way they're yeah. hitting yeah. those lyrics, that's, that's pretty impressive. They're definitely scatting on this, man. Uh, it sold more than a million copies. Spent 16 weeks on the chart. It peaked at number three. Uh, interesting thing about the Friends of Distinction that they were discovered by Jim Brown, the football player, football player. All turned right. actor. And uh, there's four four members, basically the, the backup bands, like one of these things. So it's got the women and, and guys in there. So I was going to say it's, it had to be more than four members. Yeah, four members were to the singers, the front part, sort of like how the old Motown was. Yeah. Boyd Butler, Harry Elston, Jessica Cleves, and Barbara Jean Love 
They formed in 68, disbanded in 75. They had three top 40 hits. Um, this was the highest charting one, but, you know, it was very cool. I mean... I love. The, I can dig it. She can dig it. <laughs> but I love it. Grazing in the grass is a gas. Can, baby, can you dig it? I mean, I just <laughs> love that. Is that '60s or is that '60s? Uh, stapled, brother. Stapled. I can see Austin Powers dancing to it. I can hear the little Fifth Dimension going in there too. Yeah, baby. Oh, yeah, the horn section in the background. Yep. Mm. All right. Well, now we're gonna wrap it up with our instrumental or laugh track and. This is an instrumental. What do we have here? We're, we're getting a reprise. Is that right, yeah, Wayne? Yeah, we're going back to Tommy. This is a 10-minute version of, of, I guess, the classical part, if you, if you would have that. If, if you do this as a, a classical, instead of an overture, this is called the underture. <laughs> and to me, this rocks out. You put this 10 minutes on, and I've, I've, I actually saw, you know, this in, in concert. Now I mean, I was just, I was pumping my fist because it, 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 it's a sort of, it sort of has this little thing going on, and then it goes, boom, boom, and the Smithereens actually play this live. Hmm. So, but when it's going, it, you get the full band coming in. It's hitting you in the face. But once again, we usually go back, and what we didn't get to earlier, we're going to now. Uh, in top hits of April 1969. Aquarius, Let the Sun Shine In by the Fifth Dimension. Fifth Dimension. There is you a Fifth Dimension. You made me so very happy, Blood, Sweat, and Tears. We yep. covered that album. Yep. Dizzy by Tommy Rowe. I'm so dizzy. My head is spinning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Galveston by Glenn Campbell. Oh, I think, yeah. Uh, yeah. Brian, Brian yeah. did that one. One of my Ta- all-time favorites. Time of the Season, The Zombies. Did yeah. I think did? I did that one. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So we, we kind of covered that. In music of April 1969, the band does their first concert. They were the backup band to Bob Dylan. This is when they first go off on their own. Paul McCartney had to come out and say there was no truth in the rumors that he was dead. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, I'm not dead yet. <laughs> but, hey, there are, I feel like dancing. <laughs> there are people out there that think he was he. he they he still was think replaced. he was replaced by someone. I buried Paul. Yeah. yeah. King Crimson debuts with Greg Lake and Ian McDonald, and that's a group that I really don't know a whole lot, whole lot of. So I don't know if somebody's interested. John Wetton was uh, in in with King, oh, really? King Crimson before uh, Asia. Yeah, and Diana Ross and the Supremes record their final single together. Someday we'll be together. Great song. Uh, and after the farewell concert, Diana Ross leaves and goes on her own. Some of the albums that came out, The Monkees present. Hey, hey. <laughs> Andy Williams, get together with Andy Williams. The Carpenters, Ticket to Ride. And Karen Carpenter, boy. Yeah. Well, it's a King- great version of that song, too, if you've never heard it. Ah. The Kinks had Arthur, or the Decline and Fall of the British Empire. Frank Zappa, Hot Rats. John Denver had his debut, Rhymes and Reasons. And that's another guy. I don't know if we can get that mellow or not, but I really do like myself some John Denver. John Lennon and Yoko Ono had the wedding album, Led Zeppelin II. That was a big one. Pink Floyd, Umaguma. Yeah. W- that's another one I just never really got into mm. of theirs. A little psychedelic. Johnny Winter had Second Winter. Free had Free. Renaissance had... Album Renaissance. That's another prog rock group. The Turtles, Turtle Soup, and Ike and Tina Turner had The Hunter. 
And I had mentioned before that we're going to get into Moon the Loon. Well, Keith Moon, uh, he's one of the wildest characters in rock and roll history. Uh, he's a prankster. Car crashes. Hotel. Just he just he's a total abandonment and vandalism. Remember Joe Walsh? We covered Joe Walsh, and yeah. he said that Keith Moon was the responsible for we stay in hotels, blow out the walls. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, there's a video of of him doing that as a comedy sketch so we'll, we'll put that on our, our Facebook page but here are some of the things that uh, happened we talked about the, the bass drum explosion but he liked to put cherry bombs in toilets at hotels um, when they were in uh, in 1968 they were in Saskatchewan uh, he brought an he bought an axe and when he returned to the returned to the hotel he just chopped every single piece of furniture into it into just splinters and he was asked well why he did it and he just oh, I'm just trying to keep myself out of trouble mate he <laughs> <laughs> got in a fight on his 21st birthday and got his two front teeth knocked out um, he had a speaker system installed in his Rolls Royce in, in London and he would make fake announcements as he's driving around tell him you know people that there was a tidal wave approaching or <laughs> snakes are invading <laughs> What's funny is, I, I found this hilarious, but he moved to Malibu in 1974, and his next-door neighbor was Steve McQueen and his you know, his wife, Allie McGraw. Well, he wanted to become friends with him, and he'd show, show up, and hey, buddy, you know, and everything, and he got all, got all upset. So uh, he uh, he got bitten by, uh, by the dog, and finally McQueen goes, okay, we're going to court. I'm going to have a, uh, a uh, court order. To restraining order? Restraining order. Well, Moon shows up as a Nazi general <laughs> at the court table. Oh. 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 There's the time that he took horse tranquilizers because he couldn't find regular drugs, and he just basically fell off the drums, and Pete Townsend asked for uh, oh, that's somebody right. off, oh, yeah. out of the stage. Out of the audience. Up. Exactly. Yeah. Um, then there's a sad but you know thing that happened. It's kind of interesting. I, I, I've heard it on a couple of podcasts. But in 1970, uh, Moon and his friends were at a, at a bar, and they were being antagonized by some skinheads as they were leaving. And um, his chauffeur got out and tried to you know, get them out of the way and everything. And uh, Moon grabbed the wheel and accidentally ran over his chauffeur and killed him. Mm. And, um, I remember he hearing clear, about yeah, that. He, he was clear to the murder, but you know, it was like... That's one of those things that I can see someone who already has issues with uh, drugs and alcohol just going completely nuts. Yep. And this is one that I kind of get a kick out of just because it, it happened in the United States. But in 1976, Keith Moon, he paid several taxi drivers $100 to block off all roads leading outside his hotel. And then he proceeded to throw all the contents of his hotel out the window and into the street just so he wouldn't hurt anybody. But, uh, I mean, that's the reason why Keith Moon's probably the reason why none of our hotels anymore have windows. That open, yeah. yeah. That open, they're all. <laughs> but, no balconies. But hopefully you've been, enjoyed this. This is uh, What the Riff from April 1969. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm Brian. And I'm Bruce. Enjoy the heck out of this album, people. See you next time. Thanks for listening to What the Riff? We hope you enjoyed the songs we had on tap today. Please tell your friends about us. Check us out at whattheriff.com and follow us on Facebook. Special thanks to our sponsors, Right Column Financial, Stanton Electric, 
and Marbury Creative Group. That's all for this week. See you next week on What the Riff?